This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. Today I want to talk to you about something that we may be missing when we're thinking about the Marian apparitions around the world. How many of us just take them for granted or don't give them a second thought? Well, to set the record straight, I don't think these events just happen for no special reason or to make us feel good about our faith, but rather to give us a message or a direction. That's what happened at Fatima. That's what happened on Tepeyac Hill at Guadalupe and so many other places around the world. And, as with any spiritual happening, there are those who are vehement that there is a logical explanation of these so-called apparitions or unexplained happenings, such as the miracle of the sun at Fatima that was witnessed by 70,000 people gathered at the Cova de Iria, who all saw the spinning sun appearing to crash toward the earth. Well, the doubters clearly explained it away by saying that those people present were caught up in a mass hysteria and just thought they saw the sun falling from the sky and shooting off different colored rays of light as it was spinning in the sky. So, if it was mass hysteria, or they were the victims of the power of suggestion, how come children in a school some 30 miles away from Fatima were taken outside their classrooms to see that very same sun spinning in the sky. Well, that's what happened. I believe all of that was to get our attention so that we would indeed focus on the real message of Fatima, which in a way was a clear message as well as a warning. And the children were given a message for the whole world. Do not offend God any more for he is already too greatly offended. And the children were also told that if the world did not return to God, another war even worse than the first world war that was taking place at the time would happen. We didn't listen, and look what happened. World War II and all of the other wars and skirmishes that followed. I think the real question is, how many warnings are we going to get? Well, today... I want to tell you about another warning we received. Oh yes, it also has its own signs proving its case, but it too has been pretty much overlooked. But I think it's it's very important for us to talk about it today. And to tell the story, we have to travel back in time, not too far back though, to a convent known as the Institute of the Handmaids of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. It was located in a town by the name of Akita, all the way around the world in a country named Japan. And I'm not so sure that this isn't one of the most important warnings we've been given. But let's start with those involved. Sister Agnes Katsuko Sasagawa was born on the 28th of May, back in 1931. She was brought up in a happy, well-adjusted home. And as a child, Sister Agnes enjoyed a a normal, well-adjusted childhood and was very bright, but not physically strong. And shortly before her 20th birthday, she underwent an appendectomy with disastrous results that caused her to be an invalid for about 10 years. Her father was a Buddhist, and, and he sought no compensation from the physician's malpractice that caused her problem, that was in a spirit of forgiveness. 
Well, the future Sister Agnes was transferred to several different hospitals, finally reaching the Miyoko Hospital in Nagata, where she became a close friend with a Catholic nurse who, who gave her a book on Catholic teachings, which she loved so much that she read it three times. She also became acquainted with a Catholic physician who was suffering the effects of the atomic bombing of Nagasaki, but was still devoting his skills to helping other atomic victims until he too succumbed to radiation poisoning. Well, all of this proved to be a motivating factor for the future Sister Agnes to become a, a Catholic in 1960 at the age of 33. However, before her baptism, a Buddhist priest came to try to convince her to remain with the faith of her family. But she was so kind and, and clear in her presentation of her new faith with a feeling that God was calling her, and she was so convincing that, well, the Buddhist priest left asking her to praise for him. During her long period of hospitalization, she underwent 11 surgical procedures that were painful and involved, and when an acquaintance asked for advice for others who may be suffering, she said, God never places a burden on you which you cannot bear. Trust and belief is the key. It's not bad for us to consider, too. Although not physically strong, as she was eventually dismissed from the hospital, Agnes became associated with the convent of the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary early in 1962. Four months later, her health failed again and she was readmitted to the hospital, where she was unconscious for four days and required a year's rehabilitation, and to make matters worse, she fell and was unconscious for ten days. But God's holy providence adds an exclamation mark. Someone had sent holy water from Lourdes to the hospital, and they put a few drops into the mouth of the unconscious Agnes, and as the water entered her lips, she regained consciousness, and her paralyzed limbs became mobile once again. This was in February of 1964. Well, she was allowed to leave the hospital to work as a catechist in a new church. Agnes's mother, a devout Buddhist, visited her, and when she listened to, listened to her teaching the Catholic faith, she was so impressed that she also became a convert, as well as uh, Agnes's father. There are many, many stories of her kindness and generosity, even though she was penniless and handicapped. To her, Everything was a gift from God. Now it became God's turn. In 1969, Agnes was in the hospital in Miyoko praying her rosary, and suddenly there was a beautiful being right next to her. One could only imagine the wonders she would experience. However, with, with the great faith and devotion that Agnes possessed, she accepted this as just another gift from God. The angel told her that at the end of each decade, when she was praying the rosary, there was another prayer that should be prayed, and then in a voice of tenderness and beauty, she was given the words, O oh my Jesus, 
forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need. Well, sometime later, she was praying her rosary in the chapel aloud when a priest heard those same words that she was praying. He asked her where she had learned that. Well, she explained that this beautiful creature had taught it to her. The priest had asked the question because he recognized that this had been the prayer that the angel had given to Lucia at Fatima many years before to pray at the end of each decade at the rosary. But that part of the Fatima story had not yet been told in Japan. While Agnes's guardian angel would appear to her many more times to prepare her for the task God had selected her to accomplish. She lived alone at the mission church, and as a woman, it was not without danger. A burglar once accosted her, demanding food and money. She smiled at him and then told him gently that she had nothing but this, and then holding out her hands, she offered him a handful of sweets and candies and and then offered to make him a pot of hot tea. Well, not used to such kindness, the would-be thief took her hand in his and broke into tears before leaving with the goodies and that she had given him. It wasn't the offer or the sweets, but her kindness that moved him to tears. And there were many more stories about her goodness very similar to this. She had a mission, and danger was just part of the territory. To her, it went with a job. When asked about her vocation as a catechist, she wrote, My supreme joy was in being able to lead souls to God. I could forget any toil or labor whenever I saw the joyful faces of catechumens who had been baptized and starting to lead a new life of faith and love. Well, it seems to me that perhaps God in his infinite wisdom was testing Agnes. But her real test was yet to come. On the 16th of March in 1973, she had answered the phone in the mother house of the Akita convent, and as she put the receiver to the ear, there was silence. Not the silence of a missed call, but the silence of everything around her. When she spoke, she could not hear her own voice. She was completely 100% deaf. Her world was now that of silence. She was back in the hospital again and was subjected to a battery of tests, and the diagnosis was that her condition was incurable. This was not just an in-and-out-of-the-hospital situation. She was kept there for a total of 47 days and was also taught lip-reading so she could better communicate. But out of all the troubles, there is also good. Despite the fact that she was now deaf, she was accepted as a full-fledged member of the mother house of the convent and took up residence there with six other nuns. It seems that God did have special plans for her, and all of these difficulties may have just been tests, and I believe she passed them all, accepting every difficulty as a gift from God a gift that would be magnified a thousand times. Her real mission was about to begin, and it would eventually have 
worldwide repercussions. The events that were to change Sister Agnes's life forever would really start on the 12th of June through the 14th of June in 1973. Again, praying in the chapel, Sister Agnes saw a a brilliant light emanating from the tabernacle, and there seemed to be a multitude of angels surrounding the altar in adoration of, of the exposed host. She was stunned, hardly believing what she was seeing, and in the evening she returned to the chapel, and as she did, she felt as though a sharp object had penetrated the palm of her left hand. As the days would pass, that pain would become even more worse and and recur on each Friday during the entire month of July, and her hand would bleed on that day. She had received a partial stigmata. And then on the 6th of July, the guardian angel again appeared to her and said, Do not fear. I am the one who is with you and watches over you. Pray with fervor, not only for your sins, but in reparation for all men. And then in the chapel, before the exposed Eucharist, something enveloped the altar like a, like a mist or a dense smoke in which there appeared to be a group of angels turned toward the Blessed Sacrament, whose pure and clear voices proclaimed, Holy, Holy, Holy. When later questioned, Sister Agnes would say, When they finished, I heard a voice to my right praying, Most sacred heart of Jesus, present in the Holy Eucharist, I consecrate my body and soul to be entirely one with your heart, being sacrificed at every instant on all the altars of the world, and giving praise to the Father, pleading for the coming of his kingdom. Well, Referring to the world, the the angel also proclaimed, Today wounds the most sacred heart of the Lord by its ingratitude and injuries. The wounds of Mary are much deeper and sorrowful than yours. Let us go and pray together. Though deaf, all of these words that were spoken were clearly heard by Agnes. And as they entered the chapel, the beautiful wooden statue of Mary, about three feet tall, seemed to come to life and speak to her. Sister Agnes said the sound of Mary's voice was that of indescribable beauty, as she was to receive a special message from the mother of the Lord, who said to her, My daughter, my novice, you have obeyed me well in abandoning all to follow me. Is the infirmity of your ears painful? Your deafness will be healed. Be sure, be patient. It is the last trial. Does the wounds of your hand cause you to suffer? She was the solicitous mother. And then she continued, Pray in reparation for the sins of men. Each person in this community is my irreplaceable daughter. Do you say well the prayer of the handmaids of the Eucharist? Then let us pray it together. Most sacred heart of Jesus, truly present in the Holy Eucharist, I consecrate my body and soul to be entirely one with your heart, 
with your heart being sacrificed at every instant in all the altars of the world and giving praise to the Father, pleading for the coming of his kingdom and the salvation of souls. As her guardian angel had told Sister Agnes, a cross-shaped wound, much like she had on her hand, also seemed to be appearing on the right hand of the Virgin, and blood became began to flow from, from that particular wound. Well, Sister Agnes reported personally to Bishop Edo of her diocese all that had been happening, and she was told to pray and continue her life with humility. It's hard to say exactly what was in the bishop's mind, but he encouraged Sister to continue in humility and to keep him informed. And then on August the 3rd, which was the first Friday of the month, Sister Agnes received the second of her messages from Mary. As the statue seemed to become alive again, Sister was asked, My daughter, my novice, do you love the Lord? If you love the Lord, listen to what I have to say to you. It is important that you convey it to your superior. Many men in this world afflict the Lord. I desire to console him, to soften the anger of the Heavenly Father. I wish with my son for the souls who will repair by their suffering and their poverty for the sins and ingrates of others. And then, then came the warning. The Blessed Mother went on to say, In order that the world might know his anger, the Heavenly Father is preparing to inflict a great chastisement on all mankind. With my son, I have intervened so many times to appease the wrath of the Father. I have prevented the coming of calamities by offering him the suffering of my son on the cross." his precious blood and beloved souls to console him and form a cohort of victim souls. She answered that question, what can we do in today's world? And that was prayer, penance, and courageous sacrifices can soften the Father's anger. I desire this also from your community, that it love poverty, that it sanctify itself and pray in reparation for the ingratitude and outrages of so many men. Recite the prayer of the handmaids of the Eucharist with awareness of its meaning. Put it into practice. Offer whatever God may send in reparation for sins. Let each one endeavor according to her capacity and position to offer herself entirely to the Lord. Even in a secular institute, prayer is necessary. Already souls who wish to pray are on the way to being gathered without attaching too much attention to form. Be faithful and fervent in prayer to console the Master. And that was the end of the second message. There is such a similarity of messages of Akita to that of Fatima. There the Virgin was speaking to very young children, but in Akita to a young, mature woman. To little Lucia, as as I mentioned earlier, she was told very clearly, Do not offend God any more because he is already too greatly offended. And that was the message of Akita, too, a pretty clear message for us.
And if that were not a clear enough parallel to Fatima, the final visit to St. Agnes took place on October the 13th. I call her St. Agnes because I think it's very closely that she lived a saintly life, but she really was still Sister Agnes. But the message was that it was here that the Blessed Mother gave Sister Agnes the most important of her messages. She was told, If men do not repent and better themselves, the Father will inflict a terrible punishment on all humanity. It will be a punishment greater than the deluge, such as will never have been seen before. Fire will fall from the sky and will wipe out a great part of humanity, the good as well as the bad, sparing neither priest nor faithful. The survivors will find themselves so desolate that they will envy the dead. The only arms which will remain for you will be the rosary and the sign left by my son. Each day recite the prayers of the rosary. With the rosary, pray for the pope, the bishops, and the priests. The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against other bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their contraries, and the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. The demons will especially be implacable against the souls consecrated to God. The thought of the loss of so many souls is the cause of my sadness. If sins increase in number and gravity, there will be no longer pardon for them. And then she went on to say, Pray very much the prayers of the rosary. I alone am able to still save you from the calamities which approach. Those who place their confidence in me will be saved. And that was the end of the third message. Wow, pretty impressive warning. But she wasn't yet finished with her proof. Much like the miracle of the sun at Fatima, she wanted to prove her point, and she did. On the last Sunday in May of 1982, as promised, Sister Agnes regained her hearing, even though the doctor said it would not happen. But there was more proof of the truth of Akita. She proved it with tears. You see, that three-foot solid wooden statue in the chapel wanted to emphasize the sorrow of the Blessed Mother for the sins of the world, and the statue wept real tears a hundred and one times. Well, as you know, scientists are usually pretty hard to convince. So an experiment was undertaken of the tears falling from the eyes of the wooden statue of the Madonna. Little drops of the tears were collected and taken to medical laboratories where they were examined and found to be real human tears with a definitive DNA. The Japanese national television even had a special showing on TV of the statue of Mary shedding the human tears. Well, the message was clear. Since Akita is an extension of Fatima, we already know what we must pledge. But Akita makes us realize how urgent it is that more and more people make this commitment, and that those who have made it 
live it more profoundly. Our Lady counsels us at Akita not to be so attracted to forms, but to mean what we pray. The angel said, Many men in this world afflict the Lord. I await souls to console him. Pray in reparation for the ingratitude and the outrages of so many men. The rosary is your weapon. Say it with care and say it more often for the intention of the Pope, of bishops and priests. Well, Bishop Edo, once learning of the events taking place in his diocese of Akita, looked favorably on the reality of a of it being a true miracle, and he even made three trips to Rome to discuss Our Lady of Akita, and in 1988 he was concerned but still believed, and because of the seriousness of the messages, he sought counsel from the prefect himself of the sacred congregation for the doctrine of the faith, who gave a definitive judgment on the events at Akita as reliable and worthy of belief. Oh yes, by the way, the prefect who gave his approval was then known as Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger now Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, Time has really only allowed us to cover just a few of the events and the wonders of Akita. They are well worth studying. We've been warned now, and the rest is up to us. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.